to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chung. On this episode, I'm excited to share with you the conversation I had with Paul Peng. Paul is an artist based in Pittsburgh who I met while we were both in school. I've been a fan of his art for quite a while and was really looking forward to talking to Paul about art and life. Paul describes his work as a picture drawing built on cartoon figuration and formal mark making by way of posthumanism via lurking in furry and weeaboo fandoms. Paul's drawings have always given me a mesmerizing feeling every time I visit his studio. I enjoyed listening to Paul describe how drawing cartoons function for him, how he thinks about his drawings as his own kid, and how to find interests in one's own work. I lost part of the audio in the middle due to technical difficulties, so the interview runs slightly shorter. Of course, this is all an excuse to interview Paul again for a later time. I hope you enjoy this. Yeah, uh, keep a few of the pauses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be like, hi, my name's Paul Pang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, so I'm here with Paul Pang. Hi. Paul is an artist in Pittsburgh, and I met him while we were both in school together. I always, uh, I remember one time you were giving a tour for undergrads. Oh, yeah. And you, you were like wearing a crop top. And then you had a bun down, but the bun down was, was only bun at the very, very top at your neck. So it was sort yeah. of like this weird dress. And then you're wearing really short shorts. And I yeah. was like, also, I was the, like, what are yeah. those under those potential undergrads thinking? Yeah, <laughs> that was, they're probably thinking, wow, Paul's a really cool person. I want to go to CMU and hang out with Paul. Uh, some of them were thinking that. Um, definitely not all of them. Um, I remember that outfit, um, the way the over the button down was draped over the crop top which was by the way shirt from that was branded with our undergrad school that i just cut off myself yeah so we just got like a little cmu crop top yeah yeah um the way it was draped down actually perfectly created like a little square of skin around my (laughs) belly button which i referred to as like the uh preview shot yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and then so anyway i Mm -hmm. saw paul and I thought, oh, that's an interesting person right there. But I didn't actually know your work. I think you mm-hmm. told me earlier that um, you didn't show much work because you were busy doing your double degree in computer science and art. So I actually yeah. didn't. I'm sure you had you did work, but I oh, personally um, didn't. Kind of. Yeah, I didn't. I personally didn't see mm-hmm. your artwork, which at this point seems to manifest mostly in drawings. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I was just mysteriously drawn to your drawings Um, and I couldn't stop looking at them. And so I really made an effort to try to get to know you and what you were thinking. And Mm -hmm. you're also well known during art lectures for raising your hand and asking a very complicated um, discursive question that oftentimes the artist has to pause and be like, uh, can you repeat that? What is the question? <laughs> What's the question again? And every time, whoever I was sitting with at the time during these art lectures, you'd raise your hand and we'd all look at each other and be like, okay, here it goes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Paul's going to ask that question. Uh, I'd like to think that I'd gotten more and more concise as the years went on. I figured out how to like, um, I remember Charlie Wright, Charlie White approached me after a lecture and he was Charlie, like, Charlie's the head of the school. Yeah. And he was, it was after I asked a particularly discursive question and he was like, Paul, you ever smoke like marijuana? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> cause I actually don't. Who is, who's this person that was, uh, you were asking the question to, I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, oh, um, it was probably Petra Courtright. Okay. It was probably Petra Courtright because my question to her for her lecture was like a really terrible question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Charlie was like, well, you know, like how like when you like grind, like I'm going to 
like greatly simplify his words because I like don't like know like the terminology, but like when you like grind up all of the weed and you get that like little powder, you get the hash. You need to make your wait. You don't you don't you don't hash. like smoke marijuana? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't smoke marijuana, <laughs> so I might be like you just know simplifying the language here. But ever since that, ever since that, I'm not just saying that in case a cop's listening. I really don't smoke marijuana. Yeah, it's um, fine. I'm not judging, but um. Ever since then, I've been working as hard as I can to really grind my questions down to that fine hash. That's a good artist statement. To grind my work into a fine hash? Yeah. Ooh. Right? Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. You work towards that. I work towards that fine hash. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so you're known for your discursive um, questions. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I think my last year in grad school, I just, that's when I really started seeing more of your drawings. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then so then I just kept following you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you, you know, you can, I'm trying to think if I should describe your artwork or you should describe your I think you should describe your artwork and I can correct you. Okay. All right. All right. Because I'm interested in what you have to say. I'm interested in what other people have to say in general. Because I have very particular, like every other artist out there, have very particular ideas of what my artworks, uh, what my artwork does, where my artwork comes from. Yeah. And it's interesting to see if they. I only was, I was only questioning myself because I feel like for you, the artwork, I know you, I know you so well. Not so well, but I know you well enough through your questions mm-hmm. at these art lectures and just talking with you that I think I know more about your thought process than mm-hmm. your drawings allowed, which is why I wasn't sure if I should simplify or describe it for you. But I it's, guess the way me, the yeah. way that I see your work is there's an underlying theme of being an outsider, being mm-hmm. invisible. And manifesting that in weird drawings that reference anime, mm-hmm. hentai, furries, um, and then you yourself have mentioned deviant art. Mm-hmm. And I think that combination is really interesting. Um, and then also through your questions and talking with you, I know you have a huge interest in art theory, philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just quickly looking through your mm-hmm. library, and I always say, like, sometimes. I feel like yeah. looking at someone's library is like more personal than other ways of knowing a person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, there's like Heidegger there. Um, Which I haven't actually read yet. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, I've, yeah. I've got like a collection of books and I've only read maybe a third of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's Heidegger, you've got Benjamin, you know, all the usual suspects, mm-hmm. Barthes. I've got Whitehead sitting on my bedstand. Um, mm. I'm making my way through process and reality right now. And it's, it's really good, but it's also really dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think um, Paul Chan. I was gonna say Paul Ping. Paul Chan, the artist. Oh, I. He mentioned that like when you read uh, philosophy, that you basically enter a hallucinogenic state because mm-hmm. you can't you can't truly believe everything that these philosophers are saying without buying into a sort of craziness. Mm-hmm. Right? It's so dense. It's so stu- oh, yeah. stupidly like discursive that you have to make a leap of faith yeah and like i thought you were just going to say it's so stupid i mean some of it is some of it is stupid but it's it is i mean a lot of it is stupidly discursive i think and you kind of have to enter a dream state to Mm -hmm. sort of even accept that what they're saying might hold a kernel of truth Mm. you know and not that there isn't a kernel of truth but there's it's um to accept that there's a kernel yeah you need to be a little bit out there yeah yeah and then and then through that, a lot of times when I read these philosophies, that hallucinogenic state allows me to think about, you know, other ideas. Um, so I'll be like on a page for like 20 minutes, the same page, and I haven't really exactly read it, or I've read it maybe 20 times without actually understanding it, but letting my mind kind of go in tangents and thinking about mm-hmm. my own artwork or just other things and yeah. hoping that I get some inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of how I see your work sort of like very much on this sort of like trying to figure out like a lot of these i'm just going to like 
um, try to paraphrase what you just said, mm-hmm. um, just so like I can be sure that we're on the same page about it. Uh-huh. Um, so um, what you see in my work is sort of like a lot of like trying to reasoning about sort of like a lot of my influences, influences of uh, anime, influences of furry culture, influences of deviant art, especially deviant art, because that's where I'm coming from for a lot of these works, um, and that's just where I come from. Period. Yeah. Um, a lot of sort of like reasoning about how these things are seen as a kind of like an outsider art practice and trying to figure out how to navigate this like art practice in like an environment that doesn't really recognize it as a serious art practice is that kind of like what you're mm-hmm. thinking about and also how that ties into larger themes of like how that's basically like happens at a much like larger scale with like people of color mm-hmm. with queer people with queer people of color especially mm-hmm. um and so there's all of that sort of like sort of stuff that you can get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's still a very uh, big part of my, my work do- of what my work does because that was obviously a huge concern about my work when I began going in the direction that I currently am going, just being able to reach the point where I'm feeling comfortable, like where I would feel comfortable about like drawing furry art in like just an undergraduate art school environment yeah getting to that point required just like a lot of like just a lot of like not necessarily confidence but just sort of like when you kind of like close your eyes and like go for it you made a leap of faith a leap of faith um and so like for a lot so the idea of like that fear really that fear Mm. of like not being taken seriously of being um more generally just being like horrendously misinterpreted and not really getting a chance to make a case for myself right um has driven a lot of how i view my work how i do my work how i talk about my work yeah um i would say that is starting to change a little bit more recently because now i'm in a place where i am being taken seriously for it like um that leap of faith i would say really paid off i'm starting to get like recognition for what i'm doing in the city uh mind you it's pittsburgh so that recognition doesn't necessarily extend outside of pittsburgh but like i'll take it pittsburgh's still like a relatively big prominent city i won't say big i'll say prominent and also with the internet it's mattering less Mm -hmm. and less yeah it still matters yeah but But i'm still getting i'm still starting to get shows outside of the city as well by shows i mean exactly one show but that's still one show. you're doing better than i did when i got out of undergrad true which I'm really ha- happy about. Well, not specifically like, ha, I'm doing better than Ziwan. Yeah. But like, I'm just happy that I'm doing well, you know? I wasn't <laughs> expecting to be able to do this well, especially with... The type of work you thought. The type of work that yeah. I'm doing. Like this weird, like, vaguely, like, like post-pornographic, like, rep- vaguely, like, post-repressed, like, furry, like, monster boy, like, DeviantArt crossover, like... Um, the fact that I'm like incorporating cartooning into my work, not as say like a pop artist who's like copying cartoons over a la like Roy Lichtenstein is like the example of doing that. But Mm. like actually having my own cartooning style and drawing cartoons as if I were like a practicing illustrator cartoonist because I am. Yeah. Um, and that's my fine art practice at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to be taken seriously in a fine arts context for that is so it's just really validating it's really huge so like now that i'm in that point i'm starting to recognize like my work isn't necessarily just about like being an outsider because i'm not really an outsider at this point i mean in many ways i still am like this work is always going to like raise a few eyebrows amongst like people who aren't like don't expect to see this type of stuff in like don't expect to see a little slice of deviantart in like a white wall gallery or or just like as like a queer person of color in general, like my being um, is going to raise a few eyebrows to those who happen to know about that being. I guess I have a few but questions so, from yeah. what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, do you actually think people are surprised to see your type of work in a white wall gallery? Because one, 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 I was going to, um, I was going to interject. And I haven't seen your earlier drawings before yeah. you thought you made that leap of faith. But I feel like. Mm-hmm. You have a you have yeah you have a sensitivity with lines that Mm -hmm. shows you are trained Mm 
Mm-hmm. When I look at your work, not all of it. Um, like some of your quick sketches, obviously they're just like quick doodle lines that you aren't given the time, or maybe just you just don't have all the pens while you're doodling mm-hmm. to have that sort of line quality. But like a lot of the drawings that you spend more than what I think is ten minutes on, you can mm-hmm. see a sensitivity to line quality that I think is quite advanced. Um, yeah. Um, I think like formally when we're talking about technique, it's not that surprised to see me see me going around because like. I am pretty good at drawing. That did come from a lot of like practice, both yeah, like both like formal training. I do come from like a classical art background, to like well, kind I can sort of like fake classical art background and like through high school and yeah. then like just a lot of time just like drawing on my own and really like refining my the relationship I have with mark making. Which is I very think apparent. There's I think. no surprise in that. I think the surprise is in sort of like seeing that sort of like that sort of deviant art stuff and like that deviant art affect being rendered and not that sort of like very flat, um, naive thing that you s- consider to be on a uh, deviant art, but instead with that more like developed sensitive, like Mark making, mm-hmm. like the idea that like I got good at art, but I'm still doing this sort of stuff yeah. because ultimately this is the type of stuff that really, got me from that point of like oh i have no i'm kind of good at drawing art's fun to by to like where it's like oh this is something i want to do for the rest of my life yeah this is something i want to do seriously as like a central part of the rest of my life i feel like and like i wouldn't go as far to say as like my drawings don't necessarily belong to deviantart because um just because they're like very technically advanced i like to think about like my drawings as an example of like one way that like even our culture could have gone um, mm. if we had just kept up with it because it's just a matter of practice. I was not. That's another good artist statement for you. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and it has <laughs> you're, been. You're it deviant, has been, you're devi- it has been in my talks before. It has been my art. Your deviant art four or whatever. Yeah. What what version Post of deviant art is deviant art still around? A deviant art is still around. I haven't really gone on it oh, recently, okay. so I'm not really sure what What's the escape of it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm think I'm more of a Tumblr person now. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, is it all right if I jump back to sort of like that original yeah, yeah. thread? Yeah, go for it, um, go for The it. original thread about like being uh, in a position where my work is being validated, being recognized as serious artwork. Yeah. And being in that position like is putting me in a place where it's like, my work isn't actually about being like on the outside. And because I think that was like a really big central part of like what my work, what I, with how I thought about my work, because that was just a very pressing concern before I realized like no one's going to like shit on me for what I'm doing, at least for now. And, but now that I have sort of like the confidence to be like, to not just be like, yeah, I'm a real artist to be, but be, <laughs> being like, yeah, I'm a real artist. Yeah, like, yeah. I can like I'm starting to look into my work and starting to recognize that there are maybe what I'm actually attracted to in my work the reason why I approach this sort of subject matter and the reason why I approach this sort of like these sort of forms I'm starting to realize that the whole like outsider art sort of angle comes after what I draw well not necessarily like after what you draw meaning for everything but it's sort of like how it interacts with the world because it's doing this sort of thing. But at the same time, I think there's something a little more fundamental that's going towards. Um, Which would be what? um, Or you're trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure that out. Uh Um, I have some ideas. I really um, think that, I think that a lot of my work really goes around sort of like the idea of cartooning again, not sort of like cartooning in the way sort of like appropriate cartooning for like the purposes of like pop art and stuff like that. And cartoons that sort of like these like sort of like symbols or signs of like yeah, yeah. some larger sort of thing. But cart I'm really thinking about like cartoons as like a thing in their own right. Mm-hmm. Cartoons as like a texture in their own right. Cartoons as a being. Right, right. In their own right. For me, like there's just something like I don't really draw quote unquote realistic bases very often. And I honestly don't really feel the need to do that because for me, what I want out of a figure in my work, what I want out of a face in my work is already there by a cartoon. I feel like a cartoon mm. does an even better job of doing that than a quote unquote realistic face 
what and of course i would argue that this line of thought is going back to like from like my deviant days this is definitely definitely coming from that culture yeah of like just being very dissatisfied with sort of like the physical world and wanting sort of like this yeah um to be i mean to be reductive obviously but to sort of like want to escape into this world where it can be like this fantasy like right anime right or something like that yeah, um, yeah. but I'm not necessarily taking that much of an angsty sort of view on it because I'm like, I'm post deviant art. Um, well, just like, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I've grown up since those days. Um, not but, grown but, up in sort of like the I'm over it, but sort of like I have a more nuanced relationship with that sentiment. Yeah. That's yeah. beyond sort of like a flat out rejection of the physical world because like I like with I think going just to sort of like just to quickly uh, pull that thread back. We go like backwards. My main one, because <laughs> I think I said everything I need to say in that particular thread for now. Yeah. Um, I was, I think there's a, like for me, there's like a real staying power with like a really like solid cartoon. Mm -hmm. Like there's just sort of like a sense of like finality and actuality with a cartoon, with mm -hmm. a cartoon and drawing that like a realistic face um, in drawing doesn't have. Mm, um, I there's can see just that. sort of like with like a cartoon face, at least in the process of drawing a cartoon face, you're not really thinking about how do I construct this cartoon face? Um, how do I rearrange and like twist and turn all of these like drawn marks into a way where it's like simulating yeah, how do you, right, you're not competing with reality, whereas when I'm you're- I'm not when you're, competing with a physical reality. Right. I am acknowledging the, a drawn reality yeah. as its own reality. And it's finalized because it's not competing with reality. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're drawing, a, when you're trying to render a, a realistic face, yeah, you're always you're, comparing it mm -hmm. and you're like, well, it's not- Yeah, you're getting into this space of like, this is supposed to be like a representation of like a window into a physical world that's connected to the physical world. Yeah. And yeah, obviously it's like, when I'm drawing a cartoon, it's going to be referenced to some parts of the physical world, but it's not like bound to it. It's not like yeah. hierarchical to it. Right. Um, and you play with that a lot with your, um, I think, spacing and yeah. disappearing faces. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I think of like just empty uh, cloud bubble. Yeah, it's kind of using like negative space as a positive space. Yeah, yeah. Because like you don't necessarily get that in a physical world, but I'm not drawing a physical world. I'm right. drawing a drawn world. So right. like I'm going to be creating the space in this way that works best for drawing. Yeah. And part of that, a central part of that for me is like, I'm going to draw my figures as cartoons because for me, cartoons are how yeah. figures and more generally like, things exist in a drawing as they are versus as like a simulation of like their physical like right. equivalents mm -hmm. um because like when i'm drawing like a cartoon face it's almost like that's just an atomic mark in its own right like mm -hmm. i can just bust that out and of course once you get good enough at realistic drawing realistic faces that could be considered like atomic in the same way as well but at that point i wouldn't really say that you're drawing like a carefully rendered realistic face i'd just be saying that you're drawing a cartoon and your cartooning style happens to be like hmm. what people would call realistic because hmm. like i don't know like i think like the central like what i consider the kernel of my practice now is just sort of like that sheer like attraction it's basically like you know like that high modernist like medium specific like really feeling the drawing i'm just doing it with cartoons right so like I like to think by, by through cartoons, I'm not so much in this sort of like very closed off sort of like, oh, the formal drawing, flatness, yeah. mark making. Yeah. But like, I'm starting to question things about like, what does it mean to be like real, not in this sort of like real versus simulation sort of way, but sort of like multiple concrete reality sort of mm -hmm. way that exists outside of a physical world places that can lead to like more queer forms embodiment sort of like going back to that that sort of like fantasy about sort of like oh like there's that sort of like angst about like yeah i'm drawing myself as like this fantasy anime wolf but like that's <laughs> not really what's happening but it is what's happening yeah. that's you yeah in the drawn world yeah yeah and like trying to find space to treat those things as real 
by giving them the respect they deserve. Right. And part of that respect is understanding that, like, yeah, again, they might be referring to an outside world that's out the world outside of the drawn world, but ultimately it's in the drawn world. Um, and just because it's drawn doesn't mean it isn't real. And just especially just because it's drawn as a cartoon doesn't mean it's real. I would argue that, like, it's being drawn as a cartoon makes it way more real than being drawn realistically. Because, again, that's respecting the drawing space. Right. And that's also respecting the cartoon itself, not as, like, something to work towards, not, like, some sort of, Well, like, you're creating your own rule. rules. You're creating your own boundaries. Yeah. I'm um, creating my own things. Yeah. I'm treating cartoons as something to work from. They are the starting point. Oftentimes, when I'm starting a drawing, when I'm not starting off with just, like, a few straight scribbles or marks, because my drawing process is very improv... Imp- focus on improvisation we can get to that later yeah yeah um i really i often start with a cartoon face just like a plain face and then i draw like the body around then i draw the environment around it and i just kind of like make most of it up as i go along as yeah. i would argue that you should um because um and i think, sense, I think it leads to also yeah. a really unique drawing style i guess for me because a lot of times mm-hmm. when i look at your drawings i'm like i have no idea how how that how that drawing came to be there are a lot of uh you're not alone no, in that thought no no but i think there's <laughs> yeah. a mysteriousness to it that mm-hmm. works in your favor and i oh, think yeah. mm-hmm. i think yes. it wouldn't exist if you had i'm sure i mean i'm sure you do have a series of steps that you take subconsciously mm-hmm. after doing oh, this yeah. for so long but overall mm-hmm. uh i rarely do a preliminary sketch right Very that's rarely. right that's what i mean mm-hmm. and from someone who hasn't invested so much time in this very particular way of drawing that I think is, I think it's pretty unique to you. It's mm. hard for someone to see that process. Mm. Yeah. You know, which I think that's, mm. that's the interest for it for me yeah. at least. Right. Cause, cause, and I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm curious how someone who is not in art sees it because, yeah. because for me, like, you know, a lot of times, art, art has this mysterious thing where like, you know, you might see a Jackson Pollock, and it looks like anyone could do that, but the process of how Jackson Pollock got there is sort of what's interesting mm-hmm. to the artist, yeah. at least. But to a non-artist, if they don't care about that process, they're like, oh, my kid could just sort of drip these paints over this. Yeah. And I do sort of see your drawings as very process-based, or at least mm-hmm. the in- the interest in it for me is like, this mysteriousness of this process of like, Mm -hmm. how did you get to this spot in this drawing? Yeah. You know, how did you get to two floating eyes and Mm -hmm. a weird, um, I don't know. In a weird ball floating above the planet earth. Yeah. And then like this, this funny sort of text that you're not quite sure who's saying what. Yeah. Or I I was just looking through some of your drawings and I was looking at one piece called sabotage and it was like this, this very elaborately drawn, I'm not even sure, like intestinal, like, intestinal landscape. And then the like very bottom right is, is this like cartoon, cartoon like, furry figure. That's cartoon, like anthropomorphic airplane specifically, which is, has very, um, once you get into anthropomorphizing like vehicles, you are in a certain part of the furry fandom. Yeah. But it was, it was just funny because yeah. it was like so carefully rendered Mm-hmm. But after looking at all your drawings as a viewer, or at least for me, I knew that it wasn't, it didn't seem planned, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was so carefully rendered that like it got to a state where most people would have planned it. Yeah. You know what I, I like mean? To, the way I like to think about it is that I'm giving very similar to how like I want to give cartoons in the drawn space, the respect that they deserve as real things that things that exist on their own and like do on their own. Yeah. Um, I want to give my works of art that same respect. I want to treat like um, the work of art, not as something that I'm like twisting around, but something that like a, like my own kid that I'm just happened to be mm. helping grow along, but ultimately it's going to make its own decisions. Right. Like a lot of the planning I would argue happens like the drawings kind of plan themselves. I'm just kind of there to help it out a little bit, right. give it a little bit of momentum. Um, and I think that I think that yeah. that way of thinking about mm-hmm. these drawings as your kid, I think that's a, a lot easier to manage than the kid. It's easy, sure. yeah. Well, I be I was also just thinking how it ties back to mm-hmm. your earlier fears of not disclaimer. Being... I love kids. 
I'm a teacher. Well, you teach kids at a. I do teach kids. Yeah, assembles assembles um, a I guess local arts local arts technology community space like bringing STEAM education to through a very like re- through a really good heart. Um, shout out to Assemble. Yeah. Um, please donate to them so we can get paid more because it's <laughs> a tiny little arts nonprofit. We're not getting paid as much as we should be. And that includes the administrators for Assemble as well. Oh, man. Um, but that's yeah. for all, everything in the art. Yeah, uh, but true. tying back to kids, I guess I was thinking just, I think you thinking about your drawings like that as something to be nurtured, I think that was sort of the leap of faith you needed mm-hmm. to get over oh, that fear. I think, I mean, I, I just saw this, um, I was just at the George O'Keefe Museum in Santa mm-hmm. Fe, and she was talking just She's rambling on. It was sort of like a weird introductory video. And she said at one point, like, it doesn't matter what you do. You just have to be interested. And if you're yeah. if you're interested, yeah. everyone else will follow through because, because the intensity in which you approach whatever that interest is creates a sort of energy, I think. Oh, you know? yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the things that I see a lot of undergrads struggle with, which is sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, they'll present an artwork and they'll think they're interested, but they're not really. I know it's they're not, so frustrating. They're not really it's interested. So they're they're like they're like you, they'll show up with a piece, and you'll be like, "Well, did you think of doing it this way?" And they'll be like, "Oh, yeah. that's a good idea, right?" <sighs> you know, and, and <sighs> you know, which which which, <sighs> and it happens enough through the conversation that you realize, you know, not to imply that mm-hmm. me or whoever else is saying, "Have you thought of this idea?" knows the answer or that yeah. is the right way, but mm-hmm. through the discussion, you quickly realize that the you know these budding artists or people who aren't even sure that they want to be an art that they haven't really thoroughly thought it through to the point where you're like, Oh, that person's interested in whatever that topic yeah. is. Whereas it's, like, mm-hmm. I think for you, I think part of a lot of people's attraction is like that combination, which I described mm-hmm. your work earlier, which is this combination of um, art philosophy, uh, deviant art, furries, mm-hmm. anime on a drawing form is such a unique combination but mm-hmm. you've also, you, through the, I guess, sheer amount of drawings you've done, there's yeah. a certain interest that you clearly have. And I think... Can I speak to that for a little bit? What? Um, yeah, sure. Just go, sort go of like it. the idea. I think like, I think for me, like, hey, that was definitely a huge turning point was learning to just like, just do it. Don't try to overthink about it. Don't try to overthink it. It's... The artwork is its own thing. Just do it. Let it become itself. I would argue like it's not that like uh, undergrads in that position or just like artists in that position because there are plenty of artists outside of like an art school setting who deal with that same problem of like overthinking and thinking that they're interested in something but not actually interested in that thing. There's, I would argue that they're thinking too much about it because they're under this idea of Mm. art being a cognitive thing. And obviously that's a part of it. Like, yeah. Planning does become like top down planning does become a part of it, like understanding like, oh, this is going to be about this is going to be about X is eventually going to be a part of anyone's art process. But the issue is that I feel like a lot of people are under the misconception that that is step number one. And Mm. once you solidify that, that is where you're going, which is a huge, huge, huge mistake, because, again, that's almost like. Like, again, going back to, like, the art as your kid metaphor. That's like popping out a baby, and that's like, this baby's going to be a doctor. It sometimes works. <laughs> sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. Even yeah. if it seems to work. Yeah. Um, like, if the kid ends up growing up and be like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. Chances are they're going to be a really boring person, though. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, yeah, but everyone has a different way of working. You know, I think yeah. you work, it mm-hmm. seems to be you work more intuitively, I personally i think i think a lot i mean yeah. I, I crank out maybe one to two videos a year which is not that much that's not that much but i think at the same time when it comes to developing those like interests a lot of it is like scaling back right or, from like that yeah. idea of like i should be doing this and just really getting remembering why you got i mean this sounds cor- a little corny but remembering why you got into art in the first place the stuff that made you want to be attracted to this sort of stuff in the first place the stuff that's immediate in your life yeah the stuff that's immediate in your making yeah. a big part of the reason why you didn't see me do a lot of works like when you first got 
to um to school cmu was because yeah. i was going through a phase of my life where i was overthinking things mm. where i was i again i had like a double major in computer science alongside art so i was thinking about like oh i need to be a new media artist but i also have this interest in like art philosophy and art theory so i need to be like a really like conceptual like post uh material new media artist <laughs> all my works have to be really thought out as like these propositions <laughs> um and obviously that didn't work out um, yeah, yeah, yeah i ended up fainting in the middle of my sophomore review because i psyched myself out so much about you it. fainted i fainted who, in the who, middle of my was, sophomore who was on that who was on um, that it was bob bingham ayana moore and rich pell so what did they and do? They toss water in your face? What? They toss water in your um, face? What did they they, uh, they got me a seat and then like they and then they gave me a glass of water and they were really nice to me for the rest of the <laughs> review. Cause I had thought I'd bomb the review. I got a B. <laughs> Which is really good because like the work I was doing that year was not B work. But B is not good enough for an Asian parent. Uh, well, I mean like it's an art class, so they <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, but I try to give all my students A's. Yeah. Because I feel like Same. I feel like you have are... you have a useless yeah. degree. <laughs> yeah. So like so. Yeah. Like the not a, a useless education though. No, but the A isn't going to help you in the arts. Yeah. Right. And then mm -hmm. if you wanted to get any other job, you know, there's tons of undergrads who just don't know that they want to do art and then they graduate realizing they don't want to do art. Mm -hmm. And so like why I always see like why screw them over for like, if they wanted to get a design yeah. job mm -hmm. and go into architecture yeah. or go to grad school for something else mm -hmm. for law or whatever, like yeah. there's no, re there's no reason to, you know, screw them over that way. And, you know, ultimately whatever job they have to do, it's more than the grade and yeah. it's, it's a culmination of your resume and everything. And so the grade just a small part. Yeah. Also, so like why screw them over? For yeah. That? I, also I like the scaffolding of grades into like that ABC, I just think is really corny. Just pass fail. Yeah. Like who, like who, and it's like, if they, if you need to tell a student that they did an especially good job, just tell them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also just like, if I'm, if I truly knew what was a work, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, you know, like like this idea that somehow, like I've, you know, there's so many stories yeah. of artists failing out of art school, or like mm -hmm. artists being told by their teachers, like you would never, you never be an artist, or mm -hmm. like your work's terrible, and they might be bad artists, but like it's even if they didn't say that and gave them a C, that's the yeah. same thing, but that's implying that somehow this work is not good quality, but we also see completely shitty works. That are making lots of money. Yeah. But again, which is subjective, right? I'm saying yeah, it's shitty. Yeah. Someone else is saying it's worth a lot. Mm -hmm. But that's just how ridiculous this idea of grading work is. Mm -hmm. So I try to just be like, you show up, show up to class. Try your hardest. Try hardest. Have yeah. the work done. Yeah. Grading right? on I, an effort-based sort of system. Or just like having the work done. Oh, true. Yeah. Like if they, I mean, yeah, yeah it gets more complicated if someone's like just shows up with a piece of paper that's blank. And it's like, I don't know, this is conceptual art. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like it gets more difficult, but like yeah. mostly I think just showing up and partaking in the discussion and having mm -hmm. in artwork for the crit when you, when it's due, mm -hmm. I think those are the most important things. Cause that's yeah. the only thing I think you truly can objectively grade on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, cause like, do you actually grade the work itself? Like, what are you going to grade it on? Maybe if it's like a more technical class, but then it's not necessarily work that you're grading, it's studies that you're grading, which is a completely yeah. different thing. Um, yeah. And you have like artists like Marcel Duchamp, who like was famous for doing very little work, you yeah. know, and, and believed in like the a minimum amount of effort, mm -hmm. you know, to, to yeah. do these sort of Which pieces. I agree with. And then yeah. there are artists who like to have that nine to five thing and like, mm -hmm. You know, it gets difficult, I think, to determine that. Yeah. What were we talking about before we started talking about grades? I don't know. Oh. Um, I guess um, we can... Oh, we were talking about sort of like that, um, just not really being in touch with um, what you're actually interested in because you just end up overthinking it. And like, there's just like something I say to a lot of my friends, like, especially when I'm trying to like offer keyword trying to offer them like advice on their practice is that like, there's a huge, huge, huge difference between what you think you would like to do and what you actually like to do. And like, it's always, 
you're never, ever, ever going to figure, uh, going to consciously know what you like to do. You can only ever approximate it from what you think you'd like to do. And it's important to remember that that's always going to be an approximation. Yeah. It's always important to step back and be like, what I'm doing right now, the way I'm conceiving of what I'm doing right now, is that actually what I'm doing? Is that actually, and mainly specifically, is this actually the stuff that really put me on this path of like mm. wanting to not necessarily be like a working artist, but at least want to have like making stuff be central yeah. to our existence in the world like is that is how i'm conceiving of what i'm doing actually accurate to that and it probably isn't so it's just a matter of like being able to recognize that and not in a sense not let the tail wag the dog not yeah. let these approximations take over your work and be like yeah this is what i want to do especially if those approximations are completely inaccurate as is as usually happens when you're an undergrad yeah but yeah that i guess those are my thoughts about it cuz really like like right now, I have a lot of confidence in what I'm doing. I have a lot of confidence to know that I don't really need to go out of my way to super justify what I'm doing through like a, oh yeah, this artwork's about X and these elements Y and Z symbolize W and V. It's like, save that for the math class. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I, but it's like, I wasn't always there. It's a pretty relatively recent development. And you saw, like, you experienced me before I came to that realization. Well, I didn't experience you. I saw well, you, you like, I saw, saw you, me. I saw you from afar. Yeah, you saw me from afar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, what was the next question you had? Um, Pull out your notes. Yeah. Consult your cues. I guess the thing that I was more interested in was, I guess, you know, I th- was going on your sites and just thinking about, I guess, this idea of feeling invisible, feeling mm-hmm. feeling ephemeral. Like on your website, you have on your about page with a drawing mm-hmm. that says, I'm ephemeral. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then your earlier websites, you had two googly eyes that were just blurred out on yeah. Photoshop. And it was just funny because like you go and you're like, why is this out of focus? You think maybe the picture didn't load properly and then mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just like purpose, it's, just, it's just a blurry it's picture. Pur- purposely um, blurred on Photoshop. And and also thinking about your characters, like who, who do your characters represent? Thinking about them in terms of, I think just thinking about, you know, like um, they come from a sort of anime background and I was just curious if they embody any sort of race. Sort of thinking about when you look at anime, most people just assume that the characters are Asian. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, when you look at like Full Metal Alchemist, everyone there has is white, blue blue eyed, blonde haired. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people assume like all the characters in that anime are Asian because they were created by an Asian culture, by Japanese mm-hmm. culture, even though all the indicators of whatever is happening in the anime implies that they are not Asian. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of have like the, well, I don't necessarily, honestly don't really have my finger on the pulse of how like my characters are taken in, like in terms of race by others. I do know personally, I actually have like the opposite problem um, where like I'll draw this character and I'll just be like internally, like there'll be a little part of me is like, this character is white, (laughs) which I'm not. And it's like, it's so, first off, like that statement is so antithetical to like a lot of sort of like what I consider my work to be about, about like these cartoons being things on their own that can exist on their own. Um, I mean, a big part of it just does come from a very like white dominated and white supremacist culture where if a race is not specified, if something is allowed to just be itself without having to justify itself, It has to be white. And like, that's something that that's just something like personal that I, uh, that I need to get over that I need to come to terms with that. I need to just like a toxic, like mindset that I need to get myself out of, especially Mm. if I am going to continue down this road of like really treating, uh, the drawings that I make, the things I draw in these drawings as their own things that exist in a world separate from right. my existence and my creation of their existence. Right. Because I'm not really creating them. They're creating themselves, as yeah. I said earlier. They're yeah. planning themselves. They're making themselves. They're drawing themselves. Yeah. I'm just helping them out. Yeah, yeah. So I shouldn't really be taking like, I think that's onologically, what, I shouldn't be taking credit of that. Right. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating that... Artistically, you, you, I should be taking credit of that so my work doesn't get stolen. <laughs> but... Onologically, they're their own thing. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting that you think of them as white when you're drawing them. Um, not even like think of them. It's just sort of like they are. They just are because that's just the way the the world works. Culture I live in works. <laughs> yeah. If I were like living in China and like grew up in China or at least lived in China long enough to like be sink into that culture. Yeah. I don't think that would be the case. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the U.S. Uh, I lived in the U.S. for uh, most of my life. No, all of my life. Um, all of my life. Why am I saying? Did most? you move around? Where'd you? Where, um, where'd you I've up? we've I've always lived in Pennsylvania my okay. entire life so far. I grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and then I moved to Pittsburgh for college, and I'm sticking around. What was it like growing up in Allentown? Um, Standard. Standard? Standard. What does that mean? Um, just like, well, like we're like living in like a middle to upper middle class neighborhood. It was suburban. There were no sidewalks because it was like a suburb, that sort of suburban neighborhood. They, I went to like a relatively well-funded. So like standard upper, standard okay. upper middle class upbringing. Like. And did you do a lot of art growing up? That's hard for me to say because like, I think, I feel like I probably did. But a lot of what the art that I would, the a lot of the stuff that was art, I probably didn't consider to be art because it was like doodles in the margin of my notebook of sort of like awkward like furry boys, yeah, yeah awkward yeah. cute furry boys. Um, before I really like developed like, because I really didn't like get onto like this like actually incorporating this sort of stuff into my work until I would say like two thousand like no not even two thousand fourteen like early two thousand fifteen. Hmm. So it's only been for a very short period of time. Like I was always doing it, but it was always like under like sort of like a veil of secrecy. Yeah, like it was not something. It was not something I was showing my high school art teachers. In high school, most of the art I was doing were like very academic classical still life, still life studies yeah, i wasn't yeah. even drawing figures which i probably uh no it no. worked out it worked out it worked out <laughs> it worked out my figures do what they need to do if there is something off about their animation anatomy it's fine because they're they're not physical figures i think it's yeah i mean wow i didn't, I didn't i'm also not working commercial art so i don't have to be good at anatomy no well is carol dunham good at anatomy no <laughs> well yeah you, i don't have to be good at anatomy either you don't have to be good at yeah. anything in fine art. <laughs> True. You you, True. you you define what you want to be good at, and yeah. that can be as good as you want yeah. it to be, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I honestly, like, like a big part of the reason why I gravitated towards fine art and instead of commercial art, because, like, I feel like subconsciously I knew I always wanted to be doing this sort of stuff. I just didn't necessarily consciously know that this is mm. something you can do in the fine art world. But what I did know about the fine art world is that if you can find a way to like justify it through like some sort of like theory sort of thing. Not that I got into theory just because of that. I got into theory because I really am just like a future. I'm a fucking nerd for that sort of stuff. Or you could justify just kind of like it's just by showing the world that you're interested in it too. Yeah. Um, and in theory, in practice, you might need to do some word twisting. Um, I think that's the most fascinating thing about your work. I don't think you'd need that. Though. I mean, I don't need it now. For your type of work. You know I don't I mean? need it now when I was starting off before. Because, like, I wasn't this sophisticated always. You caught me at, like, the tail end of my initial development. Yeah. Like, back well, when I was, like, all, starting all, to incorporate it. start somewhere. Like, back when I was starting to incorporate it, it was still just, like, a single, like, figure. And the rest of the sheet was blank. Mm. And, like, there was a lot of, like, criticism and, like, skepticism of it about that about me doing that because like it wasn't really a developed drawing it was more of like in like the fine art sense it wasn't like again that's not to say that like my sort of like really sort of like intricate line work is just like a pretense for like giving for reinforcing my cartoons like senses of realness in like a fine arts context that's i'm doing it because i want to do it and i think it works for what i'm trying to do with the cartoons but like just before that was developed I won't say anyone really got to the point where they were like, uh, Paul, you're just, this won't be taken seriously. No one ever explicitly said that. Is that in your head or but, people were saying that? Um, in my head, people were saying that. Okay. And whether like they were implying that or not um, doesn't really matter because what it did to me was sort of like create a lot of like unassuredness. Mm -hmm. And like, even if they were well-meaning critiques, they did sort of like skirt around the fact that this was something I wanted to do, mainly because I also did a bad job of communicating that this is what I want to do. And like, it's just really easy to get discouraged. Yeah. And like, if, 
and in that case, you really just need to buckle down and be like, no, this is what I want to do, and this is why. And for me, like getting into theory um, was both something I've been really wanting to do, but it also just had the pragmatic purpose of just being like, here is a language I can use to justify what I'm doing, mm. to really give like the feelings I have some words to accompany them. Right. And um, specifically words that have staying power in the type of discourse that I'm trying to enter, this mm. fine art, contemporary art discourse yeah um it sounds like the overcompensation for the minority yeah 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 because yeah at least i'm a dude yeah 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 at least i have that going for me yeah (laughs) which is like it would definitely i just remember being like at like at like uh like talking with someone i was like talking about like being like yeah i'm so happy i'm able to do this and then the person was like you know like you're able to do this relatively easy because you're a dude right and Mm -hmm. there's like you're right. That is right. Mm-hmm. Not be not be easy if I were not a dude. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, mm-hmm. I think especially in the art world. Mm-hmm. Um, also, with like the stereotype of like DeviantArt, primarily like a non-male dominated space. So like that's DeviantArt also, is a non-male dominated space. I would, from what I remember, at least from like the, a lot of the aspects of it, it was like a lot of like, it's always like the anime fangirl. It's always mm. like... Well, I mean, it's always the fangirl. Um, like, obviously, there are also, like, non-girls on the website as well. Um, but, like, that was... I feel like the predominant stereotype was also always, like, the anime fangirl. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I were approaching this sort of material as a girl, I would have even more hurdles to jump over. Yeah. Because there's overcoming the fact that, like, I am... That I would, like, really super, super run the risk of presenting myself as, like, the stereotype because I would be ticking off every single checkbox yeah. and like the stereotype yeah. and like the stereotypical, like even yeah. art fangirl who's kind of like just kind of stumbled into like a fine art school. And yeah. And um, society's words, not mine should not be there. And yeah. I, and like, fortunately, like, yeah, I guess I could, fortunately is the word to describe it. I'm a dude. So, I uh, was able to escape some of that. But again, there was always that worry about like, someone's going to be like, you shouldn't be here because of what you're doing. And like, obviously like at the place I am right now, not a concern. Yeah. Not a concern anymore. Well, maybe it's still subconsciously a concern, but not like a concern that's actually like, I know I really have to worry about. But at the time, like when I'm sort of like in that very vulnerable state and this is like the also like the fucked up thing about like high school teachers just like not accepting anything cartoon or anime in their like art class and their art classes. Like when you're in that state where you're trying to figure out how to incorporate these things, where to go from these initial interests. If these initial interests aren't being respected as actual interests, really hard to go from there. And that yeah. really contributes to that problem you said earlier about undergrads like trying to find these interests and either like not and simultaneously not thinking enough about it and overthinking it yeah it's because we're actual interests we're probably stifled. actively discouraged yeah stifled discouraged whether consciously so or not probably yeah. unconsciously so because yeah. like of like well-meaning teachers who see anime and be like you should be like questioning this but it comes across due to like a bunch of factors as you just shouldn't be doing this yeah yeah, or just bad and teachers, like, bad teachers, and bad teachers, bad bad, bad teachers, uh, bad artists, bad teachers, bad yeah. art teachers. Yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't know yeah. that. I I I think I've been on DeviantArt a few times, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that, or I didn't perceive it to be female dominated. But I I think that's something yeah. Thing at that's least that's the way I perceive it. Like definitely at the time, like yeah. female, I would consider it to be like a woman dominated space. So it's, do you think you you appropriating from DeviantArt? Do you think that it, did it ever cross your mind that it would be problematic? Or it absolutely did. Um, not necessarily through a gender standpoint, because even though it was like a woman dominated space, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a woman dominated space. And certainly, anyone listening to this podcast and send me like emails correcting me about this, please, please do so. But I, I don't know because it's also like sort of like in a sense early internet not like literally early internet but early internet that like is a lot of like well pre- that's pre- a good well, question i won't i don't think i'll be able to answer that in this interview yeah, um that's fine. someone send me an email about it yeah um but 
I think uh, in terms of like more appropriation in general, like a big part of it is that like I was like not consciously part of like the furry community until like even now I'm not sure if I would like consider myself part of the furry community. I'm like very on and off about like whether I consider myself a furry or not. Have you because, dressed up? Um, no, I really wanted to get like a studio for uh art at the frontier grant to, to construct a fursuit and i oh know i would have did you get it or you just didn't even apply i didn't even apply uh, i didn't even apply for grants to make a fur- that would have been amazing that would have been so good get a grant to make a furry suit i for know re- for research for for yeah. research in, for, in air quotes for research in arts at the frontier yeah yeah but no, um, I the performative aspects of the furry fandom I have yet to like really do get into. Although that's certainly on my to do list, but I'm just not sure how soon I can do it. Uh, how the, would you you don't want to make it yourself? I feel like I you, do want to make you, it if myself. You, if you made it yourself, it'd probably either, be cheap, right? Um, it would be cheap, but it would take a lot of time and a lot of labor. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I'd like to collaborate with someone who has like experience making it. Aren't, there, aren't there like meetups for? Furries who yeah, teach I just, each other this? Probably, I just haven't looked into it. Again, like, mm. like I do have a lot. Most of my, like, following on Tumblr is furry. Really? Yeah, so, like, I definitely, a big part of, like, my accepting myself is, like, yeah, I am a furry. Is just by that. the fact that, like, yeah. on, like, my internet presence, a lot of my followers are furry. And I was just like, uh-huh. you know what? <laughs> I am part of this community. Yeah, embrace it. Embrace yeah. your interests. Yeah. Um, but, like, that was, before I, like, really came in touch with that there's always like this fear of like am i just being like a john raffman about this <laughs> like um i um i don't know it's just like there's always like you know like there's always just that little there's always that worry that like i was doing something that wasn't part of my thing because like during my time on DeviantArt, i never actually like interacted with people i was mostly just like lurking on it um, most people are lurkers. Most people are lurkers. But like a big part of that was just sort of like I wasn't actually an active part of this community. Can I really use this sort of stuff? And again, mm. especially getting in with like the gender stuff as like as like a dude who's been art school educated and like specifically art school educated in a fine contemporary fine arts curriculum. Like at a prestigious university, there's a lot of power that I have that I could be miswielding mm-hmm. in doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Like that is, and even with my like confidence in what I'm doing still is like a pretty big worry. Yeah. Cause like, it's something I should be worried about always. Yeah. I should be worried about like, am I using what I, the power, what I have in a way that doesn't really, in a way that just stifles others. Right. Yeah. Or that appropriates mm-hmm. in a way that a large part of the community that you're appropriating from finds mm-hmm. problematic or yeah. takes issue. Again, with. thanks, John Raffman. Um, but what was the piece from John Raffman that uh, you did? That? Uh, the OP, uh, music video for Still Life by Onio Tricks Point Never. Okay. Um, formerly, very beautiful music video. Got a lot of, a lot of furry porn in that video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll post a link if I can find it. Uh, you don't need to post a link. No, okay. Don't post the link. Okay. <laughs> don't post a link. You're listening to this. You got Google. Um, what platform are you putting this on? Uh, well, it's if it's, it's YouTube, a, it's a podcast. You can so search it on YouTube. It's a podcast, so you can put right. the RSS feed anywhere. Oh, right. So once yeah. you have the RSS feed, you can put an i you know iTunes podcast, Stitcher, mm. Spotify. Yeah, you just send them the link. Mm. So. Yeah. I don't know. At the same time, like, especially now that I'm in a position where I'm not thinking about this, I like, oh, I'm like an outsider artist and my work's about being an outsider artist, but more sort of like I have a more nuanced understanding of my work. And I'm also starting to like meet other people who are coming from similar backgrounds in their Mm -hmm. work and finding their own ways to incorporate their experiences on DeviantArt, on the internet, on furry fandom and furry culture and like weeaboo culture. Weeaboo is uh, the term for like a white person who's really into anime and manga. How they're able to incorporate their aspects of is that a Chinese word? That no, it's Weeble? like a it's a weird it, the it the, even, the not... path to like using that word for it's not a weird path. It's just a path that I don't want to like talk about okay. right now. Search uh, it, search it. How do you spell it? Uh, W E 
E-A-B-O-O. That was not feel, how I was expecting to spell that. Sort. Feel free to not include this in the actual podcast when you're editing it, Zewan. Oh, you don't want to talk about it? Oh, Google? it's fine. It's fine. It's up to you. Okay. Um, But anyways, the original thing. What was our original thread? Um, oh, yeah. Just, just like, the, the just like finding other people who are incorporating... Finding a, just like doing my work, being confident in my work, and then finding other people out there who are coming from like the same background and doing their own thing with their work that's separate from what I'm doing with my work. Mm. Just being able to recognize like, and this is like a huge like duh statement, but like I'm not the only DeviantArt influenced artist out there who's actively doing this sort of stuff. There is a variety of things out there. I'm not going to be worried about it too much in terms of just like it as on its own because like I am just one of many artists in doing this thing. And there are many different ways to approach it. Yeah. And like my way is one of the way. And if my way doesn't necessarily speak to everyone, that's fine because there are other ways. Yeah. Um, I do would like I do want my way to speak to as many people as possible though. Right. Yeah. Right. But like I guess in terms of like speak speak, like well, it's guess, a nail well, on the head speak versus yeah. like this is relatable speak. Right. Um but I think I think I think successful yeah. art does that in multiple levels, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot about Felix Gonzalez Torres, right? Mm-hmm. Because no one ever does this. But you know, whenever you're asked that that question, who's your audience? I think it's sort of amazing that Felix always says Ross, his lover, which is so specific, right? Oh. But when you look at the work, you also know that the piece functions on like five different other levels. Mm-hmm. It's for Ross. It's for someone who likes pretty things. Yeah. Uh, it thinks about aesthetics. Uh-huh. It's for the uh, art theory people yeah. and the way that he engages with that. It's it dealing with gender, sexuality, mm-hmm. all those different things. But he says it's for Ross. So yeah. in that way, like I think successful works can speak to all those different levels. So like you can technically speak for people who like drawing, people mm-hmm. who like who are into furry yeah. culture, people who are into deviant art culture, the mm-hmm. academics. And it doesn't have to be just one group of people. And Mm -hmm. I guess only the super fans would get it with the nail on the head only because they have invested the time and effort to look at everything or try to look at everything, right? Like most Mm -hmm. people looking at Felix's work probably don't, like the general public probably won't get it, right? Or at least they won't like get all of it. Right. I like to think that they'd get enough of it because his work's very, very effective. Right. Although yeah. sometimes I think I think on its own it can be difficult. You know, yeah. I think I was just at the, I was just, uh, I just saw one of his pieces at the Hirshhorn, mm-hmm. and it was um, they took like one of his billboards pieces, mm-hmm. and it was a man's hand. Yeah. And based on the text, it was I guess the nurse. I think I believe the nurse who took care of Ross, oh. and it was just it was just the palm of his hand, and then just by chance. There's a tour group there that, you know, the, uh-huh. the art tour group. And then I was like, I want to hear what this person says. <gasps> oh, no. And so, so the, you know, the, the poor docent was like, what do you guys think? And they're like, what are you supposed to get from this? And then, oh. and then there's like a long pause. And I realized very quickly he was, he didn't know what to say because on his own, that piece is really hard to talk about because Felix's work kind of works sort of as an oeuvre. Mm-hmm. But on as a billboard, that piece is really, really hard to explain to a non-art yeah. person why it's important. And then mm-hmm. he, the docent eventually just said, like, well, this piece sort of, um, you kind of have to understand the artist conceptually as a whole to really appreciate this work, mm-hmm. which is the wrong answer, I think. That is the wrong answer. But also it just speaks to the difficulty of. Yeah, it's hard to get the right answer to. Yeah, that. right. It's really hard. All right. Um, yeah. So, do you have anything else you want to say? What are your future plans? Future uh, plans. Where can um, people find you online? Where can people find me online? Um, I'm on. I have my website, paulpeng.com.com. Um, the first dot is spelled out D O T. Do not put in an actual period because I'll send you to com.com, which I'm pretty sure is a virus site. Okay. So, it's P A U L. P E N G D O C D O T C O M and then a period and then a com. 
Yes. And then I'm also on uh, Instagram at the handle PP Paul Peng. I am also on uh, those P's are just letter P's, not piss. Um, <laughs> and I'm also on Tumblr at hypertyping.tumblr.com. All right. And any, yeah. any future plans for you? Any future plans? Um, um, the week that we're recording this in the last week of June of 2018, this Saturday, I'll be going to Philly to close, to help close the group show that I'm a part of, help deinstall the group show that I'm part of, Hickey, at Little Berlin. And I will hopefully be, um, no, I will definitely be uh, artist resident at the North Mountain Residency in Shanghai, West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. Unincorporated community. When's that happening? Uh, that's going to be happening. Um, I'm going to be going there from mid-August to early September of awesome. this year. I plan to be a vendor at the Pittsburgh Zine Fair this year. And I'll probably be in like maybe one, maybe two more shows as well Yeah, this year. And you're just, um, you'll just be working away on your I'll drawings. I'll just be working away on my drawings. Refining it to And my hash. other things because I need to feed myself and pay my rent. Yeah. Have you been successful in selling a lot of your drawings? No. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> but I also haven't really been trying. I only asked yeah. because I, I, I bought some and then I knew uh, – there's like an art critic here, Graham Shearing bought some and it mm-hmm. seems like yeah. it seems like uh certain key people, the very few people who actually buy art in Pittsburgh have been buying your art. So yeah, that's why, so that's that's very, why it was it wasn't yeah. trying to make I you just, feel bad. No, I just haven't really been active about it. Yeah. Um it hasn't really been a priority. Um, which I should because I'm just for reference. I need to get I rid of some of these. I've never sold a piece myself. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Oh well, you do I, like I, you do new media. Yeah, I do. I do videos. You're ephemeral. Yeah, I am ephemeral. Yeah, I literally am ephemeral. Mm-hmm. But we all are. Well, yeah. although although someone just told me a great idea for selling mm-hmm. video art, which is um, getting a flat screen TV, plugging in a USB, and then like welding a cap over the USB. Oh my god! So that it becomes a sculpture, but also you can't take the USB out. So like it literally has to exist as it is and then you buy the tv with like a welded on you could do a sculpture you just have a welded box That's such a good <laughs> idea i feel like welding might fry the inside of the usb though because it like requires like a it's based on an electrical current right maybe but if, if, the, if the television is off right mm-hmm. and then like you only need a few welds right you don't need, you don't need to like heat up the entire thing mm-hmm. you're right you're right I'm sure it's totally doable. It's doable. Yeah, that's a good idea. You should do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just need to find a buyer before I start buying up flat screen televisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything uh, in like the part of this conversation that we, in the part that we actually missed that we didn't get when we... I think it'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff. I think we got a lot of stuff. It's, it's you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, Paul, for having... Or thank you, Paul, for... I think we missed all of my salt over, like, John Raffman and Oliver Lyric, which I'm really sad about. Uh, yeah, Ugh. I know. But, yeah, I mean, we can always we can always do another interview. Yeah. Uh, it could be Paul Pang Part 2, maybe when you're in grad school, if you're yeah. in grad school. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Paul. No problem. <sighs> mm. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Ziyuan Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoyed this show, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and provides greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.